Amen, amen. If you would, turn with me to the book of Mark chapter 12. We'll be reading a very familiar passage of Scripture in Mark chapter 12 and verse 30. Bishop taught on this just a few seemingly weeks ago. It's probably been longer than that. But in verse 30 of Mark chapter 12, it says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, and there is none other commandment greater than these. Amen, amen. If we could lay our Bibles down, asking God to help us tonight. I need the help of the Lord and the church family tonight. If we could lift our voices unto him and magnify him. Heavenly Hallelujah. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. I want to preach to us tonight the declaration of a committed heart. The declaration of a committed heart. Amen. The decision-making process for humans in most cases takes into consideration the question we may ask is, how does this impact me personally or do I benefit from this decision? The heart is truly known when someone is given the opportunity to make decisions that impact others. That is a reflection of how they will lead, how they are, and how they view others when they are given that opportunity. And tonight, I want to be able to bring a few terms to us, one of which is all of my heart, and the other word is from fullness or completion. I want to be able to deliver the word that God has laid on my heart. And if anything, you know what? If you feel like I'm preaching to you, so be it. But I'm preaching to myself tonight. If I can lay an empty suit down there on this pew tonight, tonight would be the night. I want to live for God with all of my heart. That means without reservation. Nothing held back within me tonight. I want God to consume this vessel. Amen. For all of my heart, the definition, a common application of that term is with all the energy and enthusiasm I can muster, all of my heart, everything that I have, I give it to Him. When we look at the Word, then we'll get down further into some of these verses of Scripture talking about fullness or completion. It's the state of being filled so as to leave no part vacant. The state of a thing in which nothing is wanted, perfection, that is, a fullness and completion. We look at the Scripture for examples, and we can look at to be filled with all of God. It is not a partial experience. This is not you get half now and half later. God wants you to have everything of your heart filled with Him. This is the earnest of our inheritance. This is for what is to come as a song we sang about tonight. It is more about Him than it is about us. It's all about Him and not about us. He gives us the experience that is all. All. 
Can everybody say all? We all know what all is. If we have something we ask someone to give us, and they say, how many would you like? And you say, I would like them all. And if they give you half, you understand they did not give you all of it, everything. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17, read through three verses of Scripture. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. To know the love of Jesus is to have the love of Jesus in your heart. You cannot know how he loves us until you have experienced the love of Jesus personally. Until you've come up out of the water knowing that he has died for our sins, then you truly understand the benefit of being baptized. You understand the sacrifice. You understand what Calvary is all about. It's to change us and make us appreciate all of God, all that he, that he has for us, all that he is willing for us to understand and comprehend here on earth. We know that when we all get to heaven, and that's by faith, when we all get to heaven, it's not just a song. That should be something that's saying from our heart of something that from the, ch the, the church family where he said, I don't want anyone to not make heaven their home. But when we all get there, I believe God is going to roll it all back and he's going to show us every time that he had his hand on us and how he reached down into our life and he protected it, creation and all of the times all through history and things of the seen and the unseen. I want to see all the things that's talked about in the gospel. It says, and the many, the books could not contain. I want God to reveal all of that when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus. Oh, when we see the beauty of it all and understand everything that he had for us here on earth far far exceeds our wildest imagination. We thought we understood God, but we do not. We only understand the plan of salvation and the gems and the treasures that he gives us to lead us into further, deeper places of walk with him. And then when we get to heaven, all will be defined by him, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's when we understand it all. But we have to experience him here on earth for us to get to that point. You cannot divide your heart into partitions. You can't reserve one part for God, one part for personal interests, one part for the interests of others. The Bible tells us he wants everything, all of your heart. If you don't have the Holy Ghost tonight, it's real easy. He wants you tonight. He wants everything you could ever imagine, everything you could think of. He wants you to come and present it to him and say, God, I give you everything. My every dream, my every ambition, my every goal, my every mile mark, my everything that I look for every morning. If it's not you, God, I'm replacing it with you. I want you in my heart every day. You see, all of God displaces everything that is not of God. 
In order for you to have all of God, you can have none of yourself. There is no reserve. If I was to put a pie chart up, and if I was to show the circle, and we've all seen a diagram showing the pieces of the pie and the percentages that make up that collective 100%. And if I was to show you a pie chart that had all these graphs and all these different segments held out, 23%, 25%, 67%, whatever it may be, you would not say that is all dedicated to one thing. The Word of God and the preached Word of God is used to show us where we're lacking in all. It is to show us you have this little sliver right here. It may say 1%, but it's not worth it. It may say 0.01%, but it's still not worth it. If you want to make heaven your home, it has to read 100%. You have to give him everything. Now let's take a step back and look at one of these terms and understand how it will apply to us personally. I understand life is full of decisions and what we face, we all face the difficult task of making the right decisions in life. And for most, if I could say it this way, most, I'm not saying all, maybe you are the segment of our church family that no one does this. So everybody outside the doors of this church will take the path of least resistance because it's easy. It's the easiest thing to do. But the Bible doesn't ask us to do everything just because it's easy. There are famous quotes that I could get into of presidents and people and everything else talking about we don't do easy things, we do hard things. But yet those are the most corrupt and most vile people that you can read through history. When you read about their personal life, they didn't have this conquered. They only had this conquered of what they thought. But life is full of decisions. And God has called us and equipped us to make the right decisions. And when you're in the will of God, there are no wrong decisions. Let me make sure I say this very clearly. When you are in the will of God, there are no wrong decisions. It's because God is ordering your steps through life. When you make the first decision that violates His will, guess what? I am no longer in the will of God. I have stepped out of that will. When I came to God as a sinner lost and not knowing what to do and which direction to go, and I, I, Bishop, I, when you said the words this morning talking about pursuing after God for months and months, and I as a young man growing up in church, I spent 16 years without the Holy Ghost, and probably 10 or 11 of those did I really begin to start to understand and realize that I need to do something different. There's a calling upon my life to be a Christian, not just to be a member or sit on a church pew or just say that I'm apostolic. But there was something that God was wanting to call me to. And I spent years pursuing after God as a young person. But it wasn't until I gave Him my all. Until I truly surrendered everything to Him. You see, we must order our life in a fashion that shows we believe that time is short, because it is. If there is any doubt, why would God put upon the holy men of old to pen the Scriptures and give urgency and tell us, make haste and prepare, as we said earlier, about looking unto the heavens, because these signs 
are going to happen and you're going to see something happen that's going to follow this. And give us something that make us resonate within us that says, listen, you don't have all the time in the world. You don't have every day that you think you have. Might as well make today the day that you give everything. We have so many competing priorities in our life, and I am among the many that have the very same thing of every iron in the fire. But unless I give God all, I am not doing everything that God has asked me to do. There's a time when all that our hands find to do will come to an end. Solomon is famous for writing about the times and seasons of everything. Talks about nothing being new under the sun. In the writings of Solomon, it provides a unique perspective of a man who's fallen from uh, the position of favor from God. And Solomon recognized that fact when he began to recount how that man could understand all of the ways of God. And through the lens of intellect, and Solomon makes the statement in Ecclesiastes chapter 8 in showing the feeble attempt of man to understand that for us to be able to comprehend the ways of God, it's just futile. We cannot do this on our own. But Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 17, Then I beheld all the work of God, that a man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun, because though a man labor to seek it out, he shall not find it. Yea, further, though a wise man think to know it, yet shall he not be able to find it. You can labor everything you do. You can put every ounce of willpower in your body up every day trying to understand all that God has. But in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10, it says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. However you choose to apply the scripture that I just read, the Bible is telling us through the wisdom that Solomon possessed, he's letting us know that there's nothing you can do after you're gone. There's no ways you can improve the outcome when you're gone, if I could say it that way. There's nothing I can do when I breathe my last breath. I can't say, hold on, let me do one more thing. You hear of deathbed confessionals. They've lived with them for the, all, the entirety of their life and and they lived with them and they didn't want to ask people to forgive them or they didn't want to confess to a horrid crime or they didn't want to ask for forgiveness from somebody or they didn't want to reach out into someone, a lost loved one that they hadn't talked to in years and didn't want to let them know that they had a parent and they just thought that, you know, they'll just move on with life. But there's things that happen at the last minute. But the Bible is put in front of us to prepare us. There are no last minute steps we can make prior to the days here on earth ending. It has to start today with a committed heart. A heart that says, listen, no matter what it takes, no matter where I'm going, no matter what I have to say, God, I'm willing to do it for the kingdom's sake. That's how committed I am. And from our text, we'll read in Mark chapter 12 and verse 30. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. And this is the first commandment. 
In Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. You see that Jesus was quoting from the Old Testament Scripture of the commandment of what was told to the children of Israel. This is what is going to govern you. We know and understand, and we've heard teaching about the Ten Commandments, and we know how to treat and honor our neighbor, and it's all about others and about God and our family. But God is letting us know, listen, there's some priorities you have to get straight. You have to honor me with everything. You cannot withhold anything from me in order for you to get the rest right. We cannot fail in this area. And if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you can't do this without his help. You can't do this without the help of God in your life, being able to honor him with all of your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. We look at these things, and it's about setting our affections supremely on him, more strongly than anything else. I want everybody to think about something they are passionate about. Think about it. If it's God, if it's church, great. But if it's not, I'm talking to you tonight. If there's something that you are so passionate about that leaps to your mind, the moment you say, don't take that away, I'm talking to you tonight. You have to love God more than anything. You know what it's going to do? It's going to challenge you. It's going to challenge tradition. It's going to challenge society. It's going to challenge everything you think you know for you to love God with everything. It's what's going to give you the strength to look at everything you think is important and let go. When you love him with everything in your heart. You know what that means? Even your family. Even the ones you put your arms around every night and pray God keep your hand of protection upon them. They're in God's hands. He's the creator. He's the one who holds the power of life and death in his hands. And you have to be willing to say, God, they're in your hands. Dedicated all five of my children to the house of God. Came in and let men of God lay their hand on them and anoint them and dedicate them to the house of God because I said, God, you gave them to me. I give them back to you. They are yours. No matter what happens in life, we have to be willing to let go. When it's all of our soul, it is with all of the life. That means to be willing to give up the life to him. To be willing to give up everything that you possess internally, externally to him. It talks about your mind. It talks about being able to submit the intellect to his will. To love his law, the gospel, more than we honor the decisions that we make with our own minds. And then we see added in Mark about the strength. When you collectively take everything from your heart, your soul, and your mind, and you have to make a decision, and you have to do something with it, the collective output of your beliefs and actions is your strength. And you have to be willing to walk away. Until you can say, I'm yours, Lord, you don't have all of him. 
I know many of us are different stages of our walk with God throughout life tonight. Not judging anyone. I'm trying to reach down into the hearts of those you think you know him. But if I've been able to speak to your heart thus far, can I challenge you through the word of God? You don't. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be crass. I'm trying to encourage you. I want you to listen to the voice of the word of God. And there's a place God wants to take you. It's more than you've ever had before. He wants you to walk through that door. He wants you to feast on his words we sang about in the song tonight. God wants to take you somewhere you never thought was even possible. And he wants you to surrender everything to him. It begins with salvation. You can't jump ahead in this game. You can't draw a card about reverse or skip or draw two. or You can't put this on somebody else. We all have the responsibility tonight to give all of our heart to Him. And it begins with salvation. We all have the opportunity to come and kneel down at an altar and begin to surrender our life to Him. That's what it's all about. That is the step. That is the, the important step that God wants us to take. It's not about, oh, I felt him when I was sitting on a bar stool. No, he was not trying to convince you that he's real. He's trying to convince you to come to church. That's, that's a powerful testimony that God would reach through all the elements of this life. And you can say, I was doing this sin, and he reached into my life and said, oh, there's more. He wasn't doing it for just that moment. It was the future. It was when you walk through the back doors of a church and you say, I felt something. I have to act on it. Conviction in a service or out of a service is for us to act upon it. That's not the end all. I remember writing apostolic pews years after years, letting my knuckles turn white as an altar call would come, and the power of the Holy Ghost would sweep through the altar area, and I was content to sit just a few rows back for where the fire of the Holy Ghost was being poured out and people's lives were being changed and God was just wanting me to make that one step out and say, I surrender all. I had to go up there with a committed heart. So what starts at salvation falls lockstep with a plan. And I won't read it, but John 1 and 1 talking about the plan. Being Christ Jesus, the plan that we would be able to consume and be have a part of us and we could be in the family of Christ and be able to feel His presence. But it continues beyond the new convert to dedication. The heart of every believer requires maintenance. This old boy right here requires maintenance. Because if I'm not careful, things will slip in and get a hold of me and say, well, that's okay now. Pastor hasn't talked about that in a while or no one's preached about that in a while. It's not like that. But the devil tries to play those games and tries to convince us everything's okay and you can control the narrative and you can manage the problem and you can have your fingers in it and you can take care of everything but just keep coming to church and you and God will work through this together. That's the problem. You have to let him work it out for our good. We have to let him have full control. The moment that we begin to pray and we begin to get, offer up our opinion, and I've done it. 
I've said, God, this is what I would like to see happen. And he's said, no, I don't think so. I felt just a check like, what if that's not what God wants? And I begin to look back and say, God, you far exceeded every one of my expectations because I had something that wasn't my all. Even though I was praying, Brother Larson, even though I thought I had everything figured out, part of my mind is trying to intellectually figure things out and A to B and figure out the circuit and make logic of it and you can't do that in the spirit. I don't care how good you are in the professional side of things, you can't apply that to the spirit because only God knows. So what disqualifies the phrase, all of my heart? Things that enter into your heart such as, I'll do it my way. Well, this sounds like a good idea. I'll just go with it. Men's plans that can come into your life. And I've been there where someone tried to determine what my next steps were in life and did not have a clue of what they were talking about. People that was not my pastor tried to tell me, you know what, you need to go do this. You would be a really good that. To a young person, didn't have a clue. It wasn't my pastor talking. People just trying to think they knew what was best. That will take you out of all. Because when you take those words and you receive those words, you have now taken out the voice of God in your life. And now you're listening to others that battle with the same problems you do. And struggle with the same problems you do. And no doubt have the same sin problem in your life. We are all flesh. I would much rather hear the voice of God through my pastor than somebody else that thinks they know what I need to do right. I want to point everything in my life back to the man of God, the word of God, the voice of God in my life. If I violate those, if I take instruction from those, no matter what the title is, the person that walks up to me at work and says, you know what, I'd like for you to do this. If you don't say, let me pray about it, you're, un- you're taking their voice at a higher importance than you take the voice of God in your life. You need to go talk to pastor and say, pastor, I have an opportunity. It shouldn't be, this is what I'm going to do. But when we look at our life and we understand what is all and what is not all, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 7, it says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither can be. Our minds cannot comprehend and be, uh, come up with our own will of God. It has to be something that is imparted to us, something that is given to us. It has to be something that we walk in the will of God. When we look at the fullness, the plan of God does not have loose ends. God's plan is without flaw. It is without blemish. Now, I can look back at people in my life, and I can say, God, you had your hand on them, and you were using them mightily, and oh, man, I just seen a picture of a preacher that had preached at a time and place in my life, and he's no longer in church. Was that a mistake on God's part? No. That's just free choice, free will. But God's plan 
keeps going. It is perfect, without flaw. It doesn't have any error in it. It doesn't have to have a course correction because God fulfills His plan using His children that are willing to walk in the fullness, the completeness of His plan. There are a few facts that I'd like to state before moving on. It's about that Jesus died for all. He died for everyone, every sin of this world. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus stated that his desire that all men would come unto repentance. I'm sorry, not Jesus, but uh, it says, The Lord is not slack. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I thank God for a patient God. I thank God that he has been so patient with me. And I thank God that he has influenced my pastor to be patient with me as well. Can I get an amen? I thank God that he has given me the grace and the strength to be able to walk through this journey in life in the many times I have failed him to give me the strength to get up and take another step and, and shake it off and not listen to the lies that's been talked about saying, oh, well, you're not good enough. You've sinned and you've gone too far. Listen, God wants everybody to find that place of repentance. And it's not just that one-time experience. It's again and again. Wash me with your word. Cleanse me with your blood once again. I want the word of God every service, every devotion to reach down and cleanse me of all the problems that I create on my own self. God, you know I can't do it on my own. One of the special parts is everyone is accepted into the plan. In Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, and he said unto them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And Jesus walked here on earth as the example, reaching for the masses. You hear of him and you can read through the Gospels. You can read the verses of Scripture where he's reaching out to the multitudes of people. He's talking to the scribes. He's talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to every class of citizen. But he takes this message down to the individual. That's where it's important. Because it's because of this we know that it applies to us. Because he died for my sins. He says if any man, I fall into that category, you fall into that category. If you will deny yourself and take up your cross and follow him. Oh, I can't tell you the promises that God will unfold in your life. He brought it all down to the individual. And he asked a very personal question. Brother Kaiser, will you follow me? He made it personal. He didn't speak in general terms. He didn't say, all y'all in the field... If one of y'all wants to come with me, I'm leaving in five minutes. 
you're with me, you better be out there on the road with me. No. He talked to someone directly. He walked at someone and talked to them eye to eye and said, listen, I need you to forsake everything in life. I don't care your excuses. Will you follow me? Every believer has responded to that question with a commitment within their heart. Yes, Lord, I'll follow you. But not everybody in the house of God tonight or listening online has answered that question to the positive of, yes, Lord, I'll follow. Because this is that declaration that you have to make within your heart. And you have to do more than just write words down. You have to live a declaration. Why do we have documents from our, the founding of our nation? Why do we hold them important? It's because we get to live and abide by them. Not because it's the Reader's Digest version of the United Kingdom's version of their laws and governances of how they live their life. It applies to me personally. A declaration of a committed heart. It has to be not only written, but it has to be lived. It has to be spoken. It has to be deep within your heart. I was reading through a Bible the other day. Yesterday, as a matter of fact, reading through a Bible of someone who no longer goes to church. And I began to read all the words they wrote down from messages across this very pulpit that says, never give up. Stay in the church. I'll never leave God. I read them. I read them to Kaiser. They had messages referenced by ministers in this church, guest preachers that had come through, never give up. It doesn't matter how far you've fallen, God can pick you back up. Written in page after page after page of a Bible in the front, through all the notes, there was not a blank spot. Every word was, stay in church. You can do this. God has a purpose and a plan. Never give up. Sermon titles with dates of recent messages. You have to do more than write it down. You have to live it. You have to breathe it. You have to say it. And don't say, oh, I dodged a bullet. I'm just lucky and glad to be in the church. No. If you don't live it, there you'll go as well. You have to live this declaration. You have to give everything to God. You have to surrender everything to Him. This is not religion. This is eternity. Eternity is in the balance of all or nothing. The message of Jesus Christ is compelling. John chapter 7 and verse 37, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Matthew 11 and 28 through verse 30, Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You see, God laid a plan out from the very beginning, and it was executed flawlessly. There was going to be a day 
when He would enable us the opportunity to access salvation, where it was no longer under the sacrificing of bulls and goats and animals going and pushing our sins one year further. But there was a plan laid out from the very beginning. It was something that we would benefit from. And what the beauty of that plan, Bishop, is God exceeds everything we could ever ask for and ever need from our sins and ever need from our life. God exceeded everything with His plan. When He asks us to repent of our sins, He didn't have a limited amount of forgiveness. His forgiveness goes beyond comprehension. When He asks us to obey the Scripture, everything that we can do takes us to the physical limit of us as humans. But God far exceeds anything that we would ever need in life. This was not, if you're familiar with logistics, this was not a just-in-time delivery. Just-in-time delivery is materials and logistics where you have supplies moved, where you just have a couple days of material. And you have someone watching that. Inventory level hits a bottom number and the threshold. It's at three. All right? We use this. The run rate is X amount per week. All right, order it now. And before they run out, there's another delivery just in time. That's not how God does things. He stood up and designed an elaborate plan when he asked all whosoever will. He gave no terms and conditions upon how bad you could be or how deep in sin you would be. When you read how God designed the plan of salvation for this world, it did not say, as you can go and read on some online sites, you better hurry up and order this. Three of 20 spots are remaining. You need to hurry up and sign up. There's six people watching this page. No, you need to make it personal. Today is the day I'll give him all of my heart. You can't gamble with your soul any longer. You can't ride a church pew any longer. You have to have a declaration that you're willing to live with a committed heart. Today is the day to commit to all. You can't say, if you'll meet these conditions, then I will. No, you just need to count your blessings and say, God, I don't deserve forgiveness. Thank you. I don't deserve the gift of the Holy Ghost. Thank you. Thank you for giving me that opportunity to find a place of repentance. Thank you for allowing me to be washed, my sins washed away in a watery grave. Those are the things that we don't want to take for granted and say, I'll go back next week. Or once this changes in my life, then I'll do this. You're watching those spots go to, oh, there's two left. Next thing you know, there's going to be zero. There is no counter of what's left. The Bible tells us, no man knows the day nor the hour. There's your counter. God is serving you, your soul, right now. He's willing to take all from you tonight. This isn't about, I'll do it next week. It's about the right now. Conviction demands a response right now. To decide that you're going to do something with all your heart is fulfilling the plan of salvation and fulfilling the Great Commission. That's what we've been called to. You'll look through the Scripture and 
If I miss it, Pastor, just tell me. But he didn't say focus so much on your career. I believe we were told about the Great Commission. I think we were told to go win souls. And when I look at myself and I say, God, what am I doing? That is not all. What am I doing? That is not everything. Because those things will keep me from having all of my heart committed to Him. We dwell with God. We walk with God. We live with God. We commune with God. Yet, we are not a God. It is God in us. We can get comfortable with feeling the presence of God in an apostolic service and yet not have all. You can get caught up in the emotion of a great song service and the anointing come through and you feel the presence of God and yet you're walking with God on intellect. It's borrowed time. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8, we can look at the, the words of Solomon. It says, For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of that life that now is, and of that which is to come. If you're struggling with anything in life, let God take care of it. If you have problems with any area, any aspect of your life, it doesn't matter what it is, let God take care of it. Let Him handle it. Because when you're willing to let Him operate how He sees fit, when you're willing to let Him uh, take it and mold Him and make it and hand it back to you and you say, God, I never saw the outcome. When you pick up a Rubik's Cube, you understand all colors should match when it's complete on all sides, should match that one side, orange, red, blue, whatever it is, green. We can't do that with God because He takes us and makes us a part of the picture. We are not the end game. I seen this the other day while I was traveling. Believe it, I seen it on a dumpster. Walking down the sidewalk, looked over, and someone had placed a sticker on it. I've seen it before, but it says, we deserve what we tolerate. A lot of truth to that. If you're tired of struggling, living for God, we deserve what we tolerate. How many times are we going to listen to the devil say you're not worthy? We deserve what we tolerate. How many times would I say my relationship, my family is on the rocks. I don't know which way to go. It seems like I'm always doing the wrong thing. We deserve what we tolerate. And God only honors all. All. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7, but refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. This is the very first scripture prior to bodily exercise profiteth little. You see, Paul was talking to Timothy saying, listen, I've heard some things. You were put there to be a stopgap to keep things from surfacing, but there's some things that are coming up. Refuse profane and old wives' fables. You know what becomes tradition? is doing it over and over until it's tolerated. It becomes the norm. Then it becomes tradition. You could ask, well, 
when did this family tradition start? I, I don't know. I got a hand down from grandmother, and she done this, or grandfather done this, or have you ever got together with your family and said, we should start a tradition? The world does the same thing. It started one so many years ago. That tradition is you can never change your life. That tradition is you can never live for God. That's the tradition that the world tries to impose on us. And sad to say, it's successful because it keeps giving that same mantra, you can't do it. You're a failure. You've sinned. You've gone too far. But salvation is not a mental exercise to convince yourself that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Salvation is a matter of the heart. It's a declaration. It's something changes deep within us. It's the affirmation, an open expression of facts or opinions, verbal utterance, a declaration, something you live by. A declaration is made from the heart of every person that is willing to submit themselves to God. The Apostle John shows the application of the greatest commandments, love God with everything. Love your neighbor because you can't love God without loving your neighbor. It reads about that in 1 John chapter 5. We won't read it tonight, but in 1 John chapter 5, verses 2 through 5, it talks about being able to love your neighbor. That's how we know we are the children of God. When we love God, we keep His commandments. It all comes down to when all that you have is given to Him. And if I could, in closing, as we stand this evening... As musicians come, salvation, like it was shared by Jesus in Luke chapter 24 and experienced in Acts chapter 2, will give you the heart that is pleasing to God. It is one of the first steps you can take. And God may be speaking to your heart, no matter what it is. And you may think, well, I felt the presence of God tonight, and that's good enough. No. That wasn't about the one-time experience. That was about you going deeper in Him. We read in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. And then Peter said unto them, repent. Repentance is about asking God to forgive you of the, of the decisions that you made in your life that are not pleasing to Him. Sin is a decision. Sin is not an accident. Sin is a decision that our flesh willfully makes. Baptism is the washing away of the sinful nature of mankind that blackens the heart and drives us deeper into sin. But the Bible addresses this. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall. That's a definitive statement. If you'll give all. It is the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Is Christ in you that strength to walk in the newness of His promises? And if you don't have the Holy Ghost tonight, or you need a renewing tonight, God is asking for all. It's very simple. He wants all of you so He can give all of Him. Can we lift our hands and talk to Him, church family?